0: Hey guys, welcome to the new and improved Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with us today is Nick Taliska, Jim D Pasquale, and Mark Sankey. So today's podcast is appropriately titled, Keep It Simple, Stupid. And with that being said, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> we can dive right in. Mark, I'll let you kind of take over, but obviously, simplicity is key to success in our industry, I would say, in many instances.
1: Well, I think, I think in many, many instances it's true. And, you know, as the, uh, I don't know, the elder statesman, I'll call it on this podcast. I will m- gladly admit that I have made plenty of mistakes by virtue of not keeping it simple, uh, including, uh, some where I actually had to stitch myself up It's much <laughs> easier to avoid, you know, complex self-inflicted problems that you have to fix versus doing your homework up front you know and we talk about projects all kinds of projects on here but specifically on retrofit projects we've been involved in a lot and typically what i've found is that if what's there works then you don't necessarily have to scrap it and replace it you reuse it and enhance it um you know there are Plenty of cases, and we'll talk a little bit about it. And, you know, I like to equate it basically to surgery. Our mission is to improve, repair, upgrade. You know, that's what good surgery is. We try to avoid turning it into an autopsy uh, with our projects. So, the best way to avoid it, go get all the facts in advance, do a careful examination of the facility slash patient, get on site. And try to avoid, um, you know, some of the pitfalls that we'll talk about today. Uh, why do we why do we retrofit buildings basically to improve performance, whether it be comfort related, energy related, code related, any of those things? Those are all potentially mechanisms for driving retrofits forward. And what are valid reasons for improving a, a system? Uh, Using the basis of a design, okay, economy, reliability, efficiency, all those things are valid. We see a lot of reasons that are less uh, valid, like it's cool, it's cheap, it's new, uh, it's easier. We don't like those. Um, A classic example is uh, retrofitting control systems. We've seen many, many times and got involved in many projects where. Uh, Control system retrofit includes replacement of all the end devices, every temperature sensor, every freestat, all that stuff goes, everything goes. Um, That is pretty invasive, especially when they're devices that that may be very good quality, that may be working well. It's just additional cost and another opportunity for failure. So leave it. When you can leave it alone and still have it function as well or better than what you plan to replace it with leave it valve actuators damper actuators those kinds of things all a different story those are wear items in general a temperature sensor a temperature transmitter if it's good quality doesn't wear out it doesn't need to be replaced unless it's in a corrosive environment or something like that same thing with a freestat. one of the simplest you know uh elements in bellows element two position switch Simplest thing known to man, no reason to rip that out and try and fish a new uh, capillary element across a coil face and hope that it works. I mean, those are just my
0: my simple thoughts on it. I have to agree with you. I just feel like, um, all you know, keeping on the simplicity aspect, you know, you saying people just say rip it out, put a new one and all that. It's just, I don't want, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe laziness a little bit too, Right. That's the right know. word. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I see that a lot. Is this uh, uh, We'll just put all new in because it's way easier for us to say, put all this new stuff in than do uh, however many facility walkthroughs, you know, crawl through mechanical rooms, get on a ladder, get a little dirty, a little dusty. You know, I know we've talked about it in um, some of our other podcasts, but, you know, bring your handkerchief. You might have to wipe off some stuff to get some, information on what's existing and that just takes time. And sometimes it's harder than people want it to be. So rip it all out and put new one. <laughs> well,
2: is simplicity one of those things that's in the eye of the beholder as well? And Mark, when you were talking, I was thinking the same thing about, you know, controls retrofits from the performing organization. That might be the simplest route, right? But then from the owner's perspective, that may not be the simplest route. Well, or the most cost
0: effective. I mean, geez.
1: Yeah. So we were in a project a few years ago where uh, the owner had gotten a retrofit price that, so what happens in control system retrofits? Typically um, the owner wants to do a retrofit. He calls an A&E firm, the A&E firm calls the controls contractor and says, how much is this going to be? And the owner had gotten a controls retrofit price for a big campus, 20 million bucks okay that's a lot of money they knew that we did a lot of the owner knew we did a lot of that work he said can you come and take a look at this we went and took a look at it and i said yeah i said it's not 20 million how much you think it is i said it's under under seven uh okay how much to engineer it gave him a price for engineering took four months to do the engineering they put it out the bid the high bidder was 2.2 million wow so that's the kind of thing that, okay, when you're, you know, you go out and do the homework and say, you know, we have to, the, the most, the thing that we see most often that is expensive is network infrastructure replacement and hardware replacement, not necessarily control elements, because networks have gone from the days of twisted shield and pair to coax to, you know, uh, Ethernet to high speed Ethernet and the provisions were never even dreamed of at the time a lot of those networks were put in. But you know, if you rely on just either the vendor or a consultant that doesn't specialize in this kind of work, probably pay too much and end up with a much more invasive retrofit, more downtime, you know, bigger risk, all those things.
2: Well, and that's one of the downsides with not being uh, or taking the simplistic route is that the cost escalates. The comp- obviously the complexity increases, and the chance that things can go wrong increases. But I don't think you're talking about necessarily. Pneumatics are very simple, but you know not necessarily the right solution for all buildings and all points in the building. I guess.
1: Well, pneumatics are very simple, but solar. Uh, you know what a hit and miss engine is we don't have those anymore (laughs) i mean (laughs) they're basically obsolete yeah and there aren't uh the the technology has been abandoned in in favor of more efficient more reliable lower maintenance items and you know the the biggest thing was with pneumatics was okay they're centralizing the monitoring you know running all the pneumatic lines from 3 to 15 psi transmitters back to a big central plant panel that you could go and look at you know temperatures and things no graphics that's not really a good way to run a building based on currently available technology plus if you didn't maintain your air compressor which was a common problem the whole thing became it went from being a pneumatic system to a hydraulic system in a pretty short order
0: (laughs) so (laughs) so but could could you almost say Uh, as like an alternative perspective, like, you know, say for retrofit project and this podcast is keep it simple, stupid. Right. Um, and you know, you propose to put a mag bearing chiller in, I, I mean, to some extent, someone could say, Oh, it's not keeping it too simple. Uh, new technology, you know, maybe we'll just put a train centrifugal chiller or whatever, any name, you know, brand centrifugal chiller in, it's just an alternative thought, you know? I mean, where do you draw that line? I, I don't know, thinking out well, loud. Th-
1: and that's a good question, Clayton. And I think, you know, to the to the designers in the room, I look at it as, you know, there are plenty of things that five years ago, 10 years ago, would have been considered really cutting edge, very innovative, Yep. but have developed a track record of very high reliability, you know, relatively low maintenance mm-hmm. and Extraordinary efficiency in the case of mag bearing chillers. You know, you compare and contrast that to some of the uh, less, I don't know, uh, generally accepted technologies or less implemented technologies, um, you know, chiller based water economizers and those kind of things. Those have been around for 35 years. And in the long term, I've never seen one work really well for an extended period of time. They're, you know, in my opinion, and Jim is going to jump in here, you know, higher maintenance, a little quirky, but that's just my opinion.
3: No, that's, and, that's been my experience as well. Um, you know, the, the, the water, chilled water um, also condenser water, heat recovery systems. I mean, a lot, they just, for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's just my experience, Mark, it sounds like yours as well. They never live up to their expectations. Um, And I guess Clayton, going back to your specific example of like a magnetic bearing chiller versus an oil bearing centrifugal chiller, you know, maybe a better word for simple, maybe practical. You know, if you have an application, because the big advantage of a a magnetic bearing chiller is part load turn down efficiency. um, Right. And yep. Also the ability, most of them, um, some manufacturers more than others could handle really cold condenser water temperatures to really drive down their um, KW per ton efficiency. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you have an industrial process and you are you have pretty constant load, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you might be better off just looking at it efficiency-wise without getting into the details of, the other benefits of magnetic versus oil, right. you know, that type of thinking, I guess, should be applied is, you know, along with, you know, keeping it simple, I guess, you know, keep it practical and that might help when you're making those types of decisions of trying to apply a new technology, um, you know, what, what are its actual benefits? Um, what, what are you paying for with that premium? Cause there's typically a premium right. with that newer technology.
0: Yeah, and I'm not trying to say, like, I, you know, I fall one way or the other on, on the simplicity. And just it's interesting, you know, perspective-wise, because someone could say, eh, well, maybe keep it simple, put a mag-bearing chiller in and not an absorption chiller. So, you know, it's all perspective, I guess, in a way, too. But I, I just thought, yeah, bring it up and have the conversation. Yeah, no,
3: it, it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing with a lot of newer technology, especially technologies, I guess, that aren't as new anymore um that are widely accepted and have come down in price um, like vfds on pumps and fans ecm Mm -hmm. motors i mean Mm -hmm. in a lot of situations now it's worth that little bit of premium with the savings of you know going to balance and having that ability to rebalance down the line should changes occur you know for you know systems that typically you wouldn't really see a benefit for example like a condenser water system you know, that's typically, you know, the old school way of doing that. That's constant speed pumping. You know, there's not as many advantages of variable speed pumping on the condenser water side as there is on the chilled water side. Right. That could be changing a a little bit now with the, with the cost coming down on variable speed pumping and the controls behind Mm -hmm. it. Now, some of those advantages you might not think about when you're thinking of a system like condenser water pumping, you know, it might, might make it practical so i guess what i'm saying now is kind of <laughs> it might be going against the whole title of our podcast i guess I'm, i guess i'm playing the devil's advocate here to make things more complicated well, than it needs to be
0: no but you know that you you're lining up with like the next point i was going to make too is you know simplicity is also dependent on the understanding of the technology mm, right
1: like simplicity is in the eyes of the beholder
0: exactly i mean a magnetic bearing chiller, super, to me, could be extremely simple. You know, there's no oil in it. I don't know. You got a magnetic floating turbine wheel on it, and it just goes and whatever. And I'm really simplifying it. you know. But to somebody that doesn't understand how they operate, they might say, this is the dumbest, most complicated thing ever. Why would you do this? Or even like with controls on the condenser water, you're like, oh, why would I do this? It makes it more complicated. But to you, it's, no, oh, it's simple. Why would you not do it? so
2: i think that seems to be the natural order that we're pursuing right that the com- the once complex things become more understood and therefore simple but then maybe the danger is when you take something that should be simple and make it complex yes that's <laughs> to break the natural order of things exactly. i feel like
0: a lot of people take things that should be simple and make them complex too that's got to happen. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't just rifle off a whole bunch of examples. Maybe you guys have some, but I feel like that happens. Oh, I,
3: I'm thinking of so one much. right now. And I guess in my experience, when I see things become overcomplicated, it's not necessarily you know using a, a more advanced or newer technology of a specific piece of equipment over an older one, like we were talking about the magnetic bearing versus oil bearing chillers. What I see is more the system level configuration of the system, you know, whereas yeah. maybe yep. a very, like I see this all the time in light commercial um, where you're dealing with smaller commercial systems that are kind of between that no man's land of where you could use residential type equipment or smaller light commercial. And some engineers, their experience is all the bigger industrial Systems and all they want to do is design, you know, variable air volume built up bear handling systems where small right. package systems will get the job done for a fraction of the cost with a lot less complexity um, and have equal to or, you know, about the same level of comfort and controllability and efficiency. Yep. I, I see that all the time with, with that light commercial market. You know, I'm just going to throw out between. You know, ten and fifty tons. I just feel like that's a sweet spot to see all kinds of of things like that. Right.
0: That's right. a brilliant example. Joe. It is yeah. that that could be like the headline of this podcast. That 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 explanation right there. I mean, perfect example. I would say. I know Mark and Mark. We we on a job that we're on have a perfect example of that. Right, Mark? Do tell. <laughs> the, a hot water system that's. <laughs> sized for, you know, whatever, a medium-sized school where we have, what, five, six sinks that hot water is basically never used at? I mean... There's a
1: 500-gallon hot water tank and a 500-gallon buffer tank with a circulation pump, all (laughs) the associated piping, and there's five sinks connected to it. There's no showers.
0: There's no nothing. (laughs) where You literally just need a, whatever, 75-gallon propane hot water tank and you'd be good everyone would be happy but no just because you know we know how to we've done this before with larger facilities and whatever whatever
3: and you know what i gotta add on, on that specific um that subject of plumbing hot water systems a lot of you know those are typically designed off of what's called hunter's curve or a modified hunter's curve Where you you take plumbing fixture units and water supply fixture units, you add them up for each fixture, and it it goes up like a logarithmic curve to try and figure out what that hot water demand is going to be. It adds there's like diversity built into it.
1: Mm -hmm, Um,
3: that curve, the the original hunter's curve is very outdated. It's based on much older fixtures from like the sixties that flow a lot more water than today's, Mm -mm. you know. Yep. A fraction of the Gpm fixtures and you end up with very oversized hot water systems like you're seeing there if you just pull out a plumbing engineering book an older one and don't apply some thought of what's actually happened over the years and what the intent is of some of those older um, handbooks you know you end up with very oversized systems
2: that's yeah, interesting so that's uh yeah, the, so the greater sin there was not necessarily the, the well, I guess they go hand in hand there, the over engineering or oversizing of the equipment and the systems. Yeah. But if it had a strong dose of let's keep uh it simply sophisticated. And, and,
3: yeah, and that, that that contributes to overcomplicating because if you right size it, you end up in a smaller, you know, like a, like like Clayton said, you might just have a simple seventy five gallon you know, like commercial tank type hot water heater right? versus having, I, I don't know if your specific example, but maybe there's multiple, you know, heaters and recirculation systems and controls that may not necessarily have been needed. Oh yeah. That's yes. all that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Absolutely. That's a, So that's an Fair. example of fitting a, a tech now, or it's not the other examples we talked about were kind of about fitting an overly complex, uh, technology to a simple solution. You know, like you were saying with that, that Mark, we could get by with constant volume and it would be a lot simpler, you know, installation costs, operations, maintenance,
1: but. Well, and I think, you know, that specific example that Clayton cited is a function of, well, we we're we're going to cut this off another project that we did and paste it on here and that part's done. Versus, yeah, really giving any thought to anything. Yep. Mm, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but at first, it sounds simple, but yeah, seems like a good idea until you see the amount of real estate this thing takes up to basically provide water for five sinks mm. yeah. and tempered water to a couple of eye washes that hopefully will never get used.
0: Yeah. So it, it, that that definitely had multiple factors, a little bit of laziness or a lot of it, whatever you want to call it. And then just nobody yeah. like stepping back and looking at it and saying, "Uh, w- really? Five sinks? <laughs> I mean... but oh, really? Like, That's funny. And then I guess my next uh, addition to the conversation though is, and this could this could be at a, a very, very small scale or probably an extremely large scale, but like sometimes I would imagine nobody you once you start going down a road a lot of people you can start adding on to you know building off of that path you're already taking as opposed to just saying well why did we go down this road in the first place maybe there is a simpler solution i don't know and that again i don't don't really have a whole bunch of specific examples to cite but gosh that has to happen i know it happens more often than not too somebody had an idea and then you start building on this idea or this plan or thought. And by the end of it, you're in some, uh, I just will get beeped out, but you know, bastardized something just to make the idea work. Whereas you could just scrap it all and there's got to be a simpler way.
1: Well, Clayton, I'm going to, I'm going to cabbage on to your example. So another project, we're on a a project where we're going to upgrade the DI water system. So there's two skids, one for the, uh, one for the DI with a 300 gallon tank between the skids. It needs to be upgraded to a thousand gallon tank and we're going to add a chiller on it to temper the water uh, because they need to maintain specifics on the water temperature. So the original engineering design comes back. We're going to cut the skids apart and there's all kinds of control wiring between the skids. We're going to move the skids. We're going to blah, 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 put the new tank in between the skids and the replace in the location of the original tank. And, you know, this is going to mandate uh probably a week to two weeks shutdown of the facility, which requires DI. So Clayton and I walked around and said, we got to hold the boat on this. We, we're we not going to cut the skids apart. We're going to put the new tank outside the footprint of the existing skids, which would have been taken up by the new location of the skids as, as yeah. they get cut apart. Yep. So no new additional real estate is required. And we alleviate all the Basically, we saws all out the conduit. We rip it all out. We rewire everything, which that's the majority of the shutdown time. And we can pre-plumb it so that the the cutover, you know, instead of taking a week, might take 24 hours. Yeah, and and everybody's (laughs) like, "Oh, that's great," but the engineering, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, "Oh, we'll put the tank in the original location." Just wasn't. You need to take a step back before exactly. you put putting pen to paper, and and really be an engineer.
0: Yeah, get the hell out of the box. To really be an yeah. engineer, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. But yeah, that's a perfect example, Mark. Whereas, like, you just start down the rabbit hole, and now we're doing a whole bunch of unnecessary, <sighs> complex, you know, time-consuming stuff. And somebody just has to say, "Well, why don't we just do this? Move, let's move exactly. the tank location, and now it's whatever. You reduce the shutdown by, you know, from two weeks to a day, two days, whatever. I mean."
1: So that goes to my invalid reason for system basis of design, and one of the comments that I added, "It's what we've always done." No. Oh, oh, <laughs> because we've always done it is not a reason. It's not. <laughs>
0: It seems to be used a lot, though, I don't in care. anything, <laughs> yeah, you know, right? the HVAC world, uh, you know, our industry, any industry. Oh, it's because we've always done it this way. Yep. Well,
2: it's a safe way to go. Well, it right. is, exactly. And, yep. And you, you do have the, the fallacy of sunk costs in some of those applications, too, or whatever you want to call it, groupthink, or just the, the hierarchy of teams and stuff. It, it can be tough for somebody, especially within an organization, you know, to maybe say, stop, let's think about this, where maybe you guys have an advantage in some of those engagements where, you know, they're paying you for your brain and to think about these things. And, you know, I've heard that said about, you know, consultants sometimes can have the same ideas that the people in the organization have, but because they're paying them and they're outside, they're, they're kind of given a little bit different value and usually a higher value.
0: Well, Sometimes uh, it doesn't work. You hate to see You're it. You're
2: right.
1: But yeah. Yeah, And and that's true, Nick. I mean, how many ESPC projects have you been on? And I know it's a bunch where you, you may interview the building operations people and they provide you a list of here's the projects that I've been talking about, try to get funding for, and you need to you know put that into a more formal proposal and away you go.
2: Oh, bingo. I mean, it's where a lot of the great ideas come from right. is talking with the people that have been living with
1: them. Right. The problem. Sure. Yeah. They are a great source at the same time, you know keep it simple, stupid in many cases, you have to rely on the experience of the engineering resources at hand where you know they say, "I know this will work because I've done it x number of times before," and you know assume that there's a trust relationship with the engineering resource so you can say okay, or the owner can say okay I believe you I trust you
0: and if it's that easy let's do it I agree but I guess I have a question for you guys you know we're talking about keep it simple and and, and just a whole bunch of levels and sometimes I feel like to keep it simple it requires you to take a step back and think right obviously um, like but to me, it seems like in industry, everyone wants a solution now. So like, how do you... Is, you see where I'm going with this? Like, Is there a balance or, you know, okay, Clayton gets paid to figure this out, but I got to take a couple, uh, whatever, a couple hours, a couple days to just think about it before we start going down that rabbit hole. I mean, do you see that happening a lot? Is it... How do you work around that? I don't know. Do you agree? Disagree? Oh, I definitely agree. I
1: think especially when you get to, um, it happens often in industrial facilities, the solution needs to be right now. Yeah. The fix needs to be right now. And we want it done, hopefully by the end of the day tomorrow. And those kinds of solutions, you know, that go back to some of the things we talk about all the time is you need to have the cold eye review. Yeah. So, yes. If you don't do that, I mean, yep. you're doing a disservice to the owner and you're doing a disservice to yourself because nobody wants to put out a set of drawings that ultimately are not the best work product and the best solution for any given client that they can produce. So that cold eye review, uh, you know, or peer review or whatever you want to call it, is, you know, in my mind, a vital um, part of any good design okay and i don't care if it's cold die internal to the organization clayton does, right. does a design. i look it over i do a design clayton looks it over i don't care but don't let yourself you know and and i'm i'm a big believer in iterative engineering and yes uh, you know that the worst engineer in the world and he has to be out there somewhere she has to be out there somewhere can absolutely improve the design of the best engineer in the world so that cold eye review is, you know, part and parcel of what goes into good design. Don't, let your, don't talk yourself into your designs.
3: Those are some great sound mm-hmm. bites, Mark.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, that's <laughs> but, just per- perfectly put, though. And it it's interesting, you, not interesting, you, you rolled right into kind of my next thought was exactly that. Like, it's good to have an, a review of somebody that's a little disconnected from... No, absolutely. Right. Start. Be- yeah, and that helps so much. And the the iteration is great too. Like, yeah, you you know, how many times have I started going down, made a schematic for something, and then you tweak it 10 times or whatever. But that iterative approach, every time you go over it again, you improve it, you improve it, you improve it. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but the, the end result is potentially a much simpler solution than what you originally started with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think,
1: you know, as good engineers, you need to be self-critical. You need to be able to look at a design and, say, and ask yourself over and over and over again, what if, what yep. about, what if this happens? What if, you know, what if the, if you don't do that, you are definitely not providing the best work quality, work product quality to the owner or to the, to your client. And more and more, we see an intense rush to get things out of the door. There is no attention to the details that nobody's asked the what if questions. Yep, yep. And yep. consequently work product, quality work product suffers. Well,
2: let's explore this a little bit because I, I don't necessarily think just because having a, a cold eye review or peer review, or even asking the continual loop of what if, necessarily results in the, in the simplest system possible unless there are some principles that get applied to how to keep it simple okay I,
0: I could agree yep. yeah um
2: continue <laughs> well I'm just I'm kind of curious well you know are there are there principles that we all agree on and on you know, yeah what are the principles of, of keeping something necessarily simple is it understandable well, to everybody is it and, it and maybe it's more of you know you look through the I don't know the, the timeline of a project, you know, and keeping it simple could start with, like Mark was saying, you know, well, we want it done as simple or as quickly as possible. You know, we want to reuse uh, the existing space that we have or footprint or equipment. But, you know, you can easily morph into more complexity with more people involved and the more you look at, well, yes. what are all the aspects that we need to. Keep simple because some things may be simple in the in the progression there, but other parts might be complex. Like the technology, the technology may be very complex, but then if you design it or the operation and the maintenance may be more simple, and that's really what the customer is looking mm-hmm. for. I don't know, just I, throwing it out. I mean, no, you have about, to you've heard about you know keep it simple, stupid, and keep it yeah. I, I, Nick, I think to what you're
3: I'm gonna tell. Told... Just try to simplify. Yeah, I'm going to simplify what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is you know just use what you need to use. Like there's no reason to um, make it more complicated than it needs to be. I guess if you really want to simplify it,
0: you're getting into just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's much said much better. Well, and Mm. and
3: so
1: some of my favorite courses, and I took a couple of them in different um, curricula were technical writing courses. So in a technical writing courses, they basically teach you, you have to write for the uninitiated. So they know nothing of your subject matter. You have to be clear and concise without excess verbiage. And, you know, I try and apply the same kind of things to designs. Be clear and concise, cover all of the product project requirements with a minimum of extra Anything. So, you know, again on this DI project. Oh, we're gonna have a chiller, we're gonna have a heat exchanger, we got to have a circ pump. So whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold the let's slow slower roll, no circ pump, no heat exchanger. Chiller has to be DI rated. We take the DI water from the low pressure side on the inlet side of the back pressure control valve and through the chiller and back into the tank with a balance valve and a flow meter. Simple. Oh, yeah, that's really simple. Okay. We just eliminated a heat exchanger in the maintenance. We just eliminated the pump in the maintenance. And it will always work as long as the DI skid is working. Those are the kind of things that I'm talking about. Be clear. Be concise. Shed anything unnecessary as long as it doesn't impact reliability, operability, maintainability. Back to the abilities.
0: Yeah. um, I like it a lot to start wrapping it up then i think this can we can do a part two of this and really dive into control sequences uh building management systems specifically this was like a mm, ten thousand foot kind of keep it simple stupid episode that can be applied to you know a whole different uh, or a whole lot of trades and facilities situations everything from you know large scale to down to you know one simple piece of equipment and I think it was a really great podcast, and obviously we we definitely have more we want to talk about, but um, maybe we'll make this the the rest of it the part two of this for our next episode. So thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in. Um, obviously, this was a very kind of broad brush discussion on simplicity. Hopefully, we didn't make the discussion too complex, <laughs> but I think we did a good job keeping it a good blanketed conversation and it sounds like we have a whole lot more to say about more specific you know instances and and avenues about simplicity so that will be our next episode is kind of part two of this so thanks a lot guys uh thanks nick jim and mark and have a great day everybody